Welcome to Laughing Your Mask Off, the podcast where we talk to comedians about navigating the world of comedy since the pandemic. I'm Katherine Cowan. And I'm Carly Palestina. And today we are talking with the sleepiest boy on this side of the Hudson River, Nico Aid. Hi, everybody. Oh, thank you for having me, Catherine and Carly. Thank you uh, so much for coming. Oh, this is so exciting. Yeah, very excited, very excited, very sleepy, very excited. <laughs> we are excited to have you. Um, so just to get started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, how'd you get started in comedy, anything you want to share about your beginnings? Awesome. So, Hey, my name is Nicolo Aid. I go by Nico, uh, Nico Aid. Uh, I am right. I'm in Harlem. I'm, I'm from New York city, born and raised, uh, and, and still here, which sometimes feels like a, a weird small town, like trap but <laughs> born and raised in new york i'm a writer a, 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 a and comedian i've i do, do sketch comedy i do storytelling and stand up and i do playwriting and i try to convince people to make tv scripts i've written but uh we're still trying to get those in the air um uh that's yeah that's that's me the question was how i got started or or just that's what i reveal about myself well, it's whatever whatever you want to share, but you can also tell us how you got started, whatever you want to do. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I, yeah, I feel like that's good. I have a dog who's sleepy, just like I am sleepy, but she may interrupt. Uh, I'll give that a little bit of a heads up. Um, yeah, I got started. I, so I, I have a writing partner named Marina Templesman, and we've been doing comedy together for ooh, like 15 years. I hate how time works because it makes me so old. <laughs> uh, but we started together in, in, in our college sketch comedy group. Um, and we, you know, made things in sketch, college sketch comedy groups. And then we started doing, putting things up in like the Fringe Festival. And we both were from New York. So we moved back to New York together and we started doing comedy together in New York and putting kind of things up in Fringe Festivals. And I think we started with sketch comedy because it is a very cheaply <laughs> producible kind of theater medium or like uh, storytelling medium. And it's also fun and funny. Uh, and then from there, we branched out and did like longer plays. We've written uh, like full length plays and like, um, I don't know what we call them, radio dramas, radio comedies, uh, 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 narrative podcast type things and uh, films and stuff like that. So uh, started in comedy and branched out into narrative uh, with a writing partner uh, who I write most of the scripts, most of my scripts with. Awesome. So did you, when did like you decide, you're like, you know what, I'm going to start trying comedy like when was that moment that you're like I actually think I like this you talk about theater like is that where the basis came oh from? in high school I was <laughs> in high school I liked sketch comedy I mean I, I always felt like uh, like personally as a kid that everyone else was funnier than me and so I always like wanted to like memorize how everyone else told little, little jokes or just, like said things and, I, and so I always liked the kids who were funny in like middle school and high school and tried to like emulate them and then like in in high school we started making stupid little videos and selling them on dvds uh <laughs> like uh and we made sketches and things like that and so that's how i got started in it and i guess i've always liked theater and in college i uh did a lot of i was a theater major focusing on directing and um uh yeah it was i guess sometimes in my adult life i'm like when did i decide to do this <laughs> like, <laughs> when did i make this dark choice but i think the reality is i've always liked doing it and i kept doing it and as long as i could do it i would do it in high school and i do it in college and uh i just try to write funny things and then put them up on stage uh yeah i think that's the i think that's the short of it that's awesome 
So then when from there did you start trying to do stand-up comedy? Because I know that's something. Oh, that yeah, I do stand-up. Stand-up, okay, so I guess stand-up is was, it took me longer. I've been doing just as long, but it takes me longer to really commit in. In the sense that I would, I did like open mics and like um, those like, bring 10 friends and you get six minutes. <laughs> type, <laughs> uh, like horrible things when I, in college and when I graduated, got like when I was like that age. But any, it, it also felt like acting because I also when I was younger I assumed I'd be an actor but it's like oh I hate auditioning so much I hate like I hate <laughs> it's like the worst it's not good for a human being and I couldn't my soul couldn't take it and I guess there was a similar feeling with stand-up often where signs I'd feel I did well but like to continuously do it like constantly get back up felt in a way miserable, <laughs> fucking miserable. <laughs> like you know like stand-up open mics often feel like an AA meeting or like therapy for people who refuse to go to therapy and the jokes <laughs> and no one feels like they're being appreciated and no one feels like they're being heard. And so I feel like those open mics kind of like wore me out. So I would stop doing stand up and then start doing it again. I started um, doing some stuff with a moth. Actually, I, so I teach uh, or, or I taught more before the pandemic with the, with the moth and storytelling and like how to do storytelling. Mm -hmm. And uh, that really helped me think about how I framed myself or how I thought about myself in stories I tell and similarly in jokes I tell. And it's been easier since I started like thinking about storytelling to get into stand-up, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you still consider yourself then more of like a playwright, like sketch comedian than stand-up or? I feel like I've got more credits and more to brag about in the sketch and writing thing. Yeah. I would, I think when I think honestly about it, I feel like stand-up is like the purest form of comedy. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the philosophical ideal of comedy, like a George <laughs> Carlin or Dave Chappelle, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's really good, but I feel like the things I've had more success with and the things I've worked more with have been, um, has been my writing and and I really like it uh, as well. It's just, um, I don't know, I guess there's a feeling that like when you're doing it with a group of people, you have more support, you have more people to lean on. I like that collaborative energy that sometimes writing brings to it. They're like, oh, you write something and an actor will take it or you write something and somebody else will like direct it. And like, I like that collaborative aspect of it. And so it took me longer to get started in, in, in just to, to do stand up. And so I guess I feel like I can't brag as much about stand-up as, as writing. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, great. No, that makes total sense. So then you, so your entire sketch career, have you been working, and like comedy career, you've been working with your partner, Marina, from college? Or yeah, are you Marina like Temples. branching out? Or? We, we, some, we work on set things separately, but we often okay. like produce it. We started because we did more independent things than like joining a house team. So we would produce our own shows, I feel yeah. like rather than wait. And so we, we would always produce things together. And sometimes we'd invite other writers to kind of create a show together with us. Um, um, and so, uh, yeah, it's a lot of stuff that we produce together. We often write separately. We, we've been on different sketch teams. She's been on house teams at the UCB and I've been a, uh, on different sketch teams or directed different things. And so we, we split up often, but uh, come back together to produce our stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. So then how does, cause you're really the first um, more sketch oriented person that we've had on this podcast, which is hooray, welcome. We love it. Um, <laughs> how do you really get started in sketch? Like the past, the trajectory, Catherine and I actually talk about it a lot. Like 
on and off the podcast where as far as the random fields of the arts go, like I also come from like a, from theater, stand-up is one of the easiest to see. It's like, oh, you go to open mics and then you go to these bringer shows. At these bringer shows, you may be able to get a spot more consistently. Like it's still ambiguous, but there is like one eighth of a clear trajectory. And so going back to sketch, which I think has a more ambiguous one, what have you found that the the path going forward in sketches more like, or how does it work? Yeah, uh, okay, great question. I think there's a couple ways you can think about it. So um, a lot of the theaters are like the path. Uh, I mean, I think the, the path, the clown college path, which has existed for <laughs> a very long time and is respectable, even if it's a clown college thing, you, you join up with one of the theaters, you know, starting with Del Close and Second City in Chicago or all those ancient comedy theaters. And they sometimes pair you into a group. So the UCB would have house teams, the pit would have house teams. Um, and if you join the theater, you take their classes and you audition for their things, they can pair you together with a team and then they have an audience. You, you can perform with one of these theaters. That's one way to kind of do it. Um, the other thing is, and I think the way I've always been myself is just you can produce it yourself. You just write to a theater and go, hey, I'm a comedian. And I got a team and we bet you will fill some seats in this place. Would you mind, could we put up a show? And sometimes you have to have filmed the show beforehand. You know what I mean? You have to just maybe send them a script, prove that you have a show together that you could do and that you have a plan to market that thing. But then you just say, hey, can I get an hour on your stage to put together a show? And the thing about sketches that it's, you know, should be light. It should be easy to, you know, you don't need that many props. You shouldn't need that many like um, set pieces, right? So you should be able to put it up wherever. And so you, uh, one way to also do it is if you have a team, if you have people you like working with, see if you can just book yourself a time, be that on a comedy stage, uh, one of the theater stages or like a, a bar even, and you can produce things more. And I think once you, uh, whatever the fake it till you make it, like once you've done a couple shows, then you just be like, hey, man, no, I got shows, I can do shows. You want yeah, you just, you know, so you, it's, um, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of that. I think a lot of other ways people do it is just filming themselves online because social media is where like most sketches seem to be exist now. And so with that front facing camera, you post some videos, um, you make it and share it around. Um, I think that's how you get started in that. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. So then for um, people who may not be as familiar of, of our listeners with um, like sketch comedy, what do you like, you know, stand up, obviously you go, people stand, they tell jokes. How does a sketch show run? Like, do you, you write all the sketches ahead of time, ahead of time, of course, but then like, are you like, and this sketch is about blah, blah, blah. Cause I also feel like, a lot of what we know as sketch comedy, if you're like not in the comedy world, is like SNL, like things on YouTube mm -hmm. that are like filmed sketch. Like how does live sketch work? Yeah, I think you can think about it like SNL is like maybe the template in the sense that, yeah, you write everything ahead of time and then you put it up live. Uh, basically, uh, I'll, I'll talk about live theater, I guess. Maybe that's more interesting. I think the, uh, uh, or yeah. So you talk about live theater, you, you get to get together like, you get together a group, you get together a group of sketches. Um, oftentimes you have to write new ones or you can just say, we're gonna put up some old things. Mm -hmm. I think it's worthwhile to have, to, to separate out the, the writing from the performance of it. So in the sense that take some time to write a couple drafts of your sketches. And then when you bring the actors in or if you yourselves are the actors in your own sketches, come to it with a different brain of like how we're performing this, how are we staging this? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Rehearse it a couple times and then you put it up live. Um, I guess it depends on the, the sketch group because some people like reusing sketches and some people are like, oh, we'll, re we'll write a new thing each month. We'll write a new thing each, each time we do it. Um, 
I guess, okay, so with live things, I think, uh, I think you want to think about like what's worthwhile to see live. Do you know what I mean? Like what would be crazy to actually see on stage versus like this being something that is just not filmed because we didn't have enough money to film it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think a lot of times when you think about sketch and live comedy, it's just like, what makes this experience unique? Do you know what I mean? What makes this experience worth doing? I feel like there, when I, me and Marina used to have a bunch of them. We liked interacting ones. We're like, we had one sketch where if you called on, you had to call, the audience had to call on either me or Marina to say our lines. And so that <laughs> was a duel, but if they, so if they called on me, most of the times I could gun down Marina before she even got a line in. But if they called on Marina, they could do it. Or we had one where like, we did a sketch about, we did a sketch where in the middle of the sketch, we gave the audience a, a stuffed octopus and said it at any moment, they can say release the Kraken and something would happen. And so we did that. And then we had a friend in a giant squid costume come out and the lights go all dark and turn <laughs> out. But like, I think like what's like, what's, what's like worth an element of surprise? What, what feels intimate in a live show that you can't get from a, a video, I guess, or can't get in another way. And I guess similarly, when we think about when you're writing for a video, what can you get in that experience? What medium are you writing it for? Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah for really. sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like that's also kind of like, I don't know, like the, like I also like have a kind of a background in theater and it's like, when, you know, when you see a play, it's like, why am I watching this as a play versus as a movie? Like what's mm -hmm. the added value um, right. in having it live? So that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so then follow-up question on, on writing sketch. I, pretty much exclusively do stand up, you know, mm -hmm. where like you think of an idea, you're like, let's see if this is funny. You take it to a crowd. It sounds like you can't really do that in sketch. Do you have a way of sort of like vetting your jokes or like when you build them, like how do you test them? Right, um, I think that's why it's always good to have a partner or a writing group, right? Cause you throw it out amidst the group and then you, um, you hear the responses from the group you're writing with. And then also once you put up the sketch, you know, you'll see how it plays in front of an audience. Sometimes things work, sometimes things don't work and you have to edit it from there. So it's, I guess it's similar to, except the first process is like reading between friends rather than the, uh, the mic maybe. Yeah. So you've talked a lot about like putting up sketches live and how important it is to do things live. Um, I wild guess i feel like in the last year that's been a little more difficult ah! <laughs> all right i was triggered <laughs> um <laughs> so like on that note i'm so sorry to have uh, triggered you but how did the pandemic affect that kind of live sketch world um uh, i mean it killed everything <laughs> you know it just killed everything completely uh uh, I think there are several levels of it. Um, yeah, it killed everything completely and everyone went online, right? And so people filmed things from home, a lot of Zoom sketches, a lot of like phone sketches, thinking about how we could film outside. I think that was like in the practical sense of where it went. But I feel like um, there is definitely something isolating, especially if you're used to creating comedy in a group, in a sketch or improv, just like not being in the same room together, not being able to write together. There, there definitely was like a, a sense of loss of community in that kind of way but I guess kept going by other digital forms, right? Um, I guess it's also weird because institutionally, I mean, just the pandemic socially, you know, bankrupted so many things. So, so like theaters really couldn't survive. And um, 
a lot, especially a lot of smaller theaters. And so it seems that now as things are opening up, maybe there, there are new theaters opening and new things being created, but it definitely felt like a lot of places um, uh, went away and it felt like a little bit of distance. Um, and then uh, to make up for that, I guess everyone went a little digital or focused on writing scripts, longer scripts, you know what I mean? Just mm -hmm. yeah. uh, go underground to write something longer. Did you get involved in a lot of um, virtual stuff? I know, because I took your class, really one of my favorites of the pandemic, kept me going, uh, your sketch Thank class. You so it was phenomenal, 10 out of 10, recommend. Um, but I know you were teaching that virtually, like was there any, how was that for you? Was there anything else that you were really doing virtually sketch-wise? Um, yeah, I've taught a couple workshops and I did the classes. I thought the classes actually worked pretty well. Uh, it, I thought so too. <laughs> um, because I feel like I, I, it's like, cause it's mostly reading and giving notes and, and it's a small enough group that it can feel that we can be focused. And so I thought the classes actually worked pretty well. And it was interesting because, I mean, I teach at the UCB and the, I uh, was nervous who's gonna take the classes digitally, but it seems like a lot of people from all around the world are taking them, like opening it up to lots of different classes to lots of different people. Uh, so that's actually that's actually a positive. Um, and the classes work well in the sense that they, um, yeah, it's, if it's about reading and feedback, it gets a little harder when thinking about filming because we wanna think about how to use, I guess, the limitations, some of the limitations have been like, you can't have more than one person in a room together at a single time. Do you know what I mean? And so like, oh, how are you gonna get that shot? How are you gonna make it look intentional rather than janky? You know what I mean? Like, I think there's people, everyone seemed to invest in like green screens uh, <laughs> working in that technology. Um, but there, it just felt like, uh, or it all, I guess like that front facing video style became more popular because it felt like, more of a normal interaction. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We got used to that type of thing. So I guess there are some things in, in changing for the specific medium um, that work what that worked, uh, but it's still not the same as I guess being in a room. I'm sorry, is this a rambling answer? Where did I, where am I supposed <laughs> to? I, I no, it's, it's, it's a great answer because it's so, it's so real. Like also I, I've even been noticed, like part of what you're saying, the whole looking straight into the camera to talk mm -hmm. It's so interesting to see, because I feel like at the beginning of the pandemic, everyone was turning to the side to be like, I'm talking to the person and we're in the same room. But now right. we all understand that like, if I'm looking this way, you're looking at the person you're with. Right. And I think even like, that is actually a mental shift in a way. Cause that's right. not it's how we were doing it before. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I would say it's like a visual vocabulary, right? We're more used to this style of thing. So I think we're all now used to like uh, the, the Zoom meeting and all that's like, oh, someone's not on mute. Someone didn't turn on their camera. Do you know what I mean? Someone's talking over here for a second. Just like completely, what does it mean if we're looking this way versus looking this way? But like, it feels, uh, yeah, I feel like there's a whole new vocabulary that we're getting used to uh, that op that can also open up possibilities or get us used to creating something. Yeah, for sure. And then also like, we were talking a little bit about like, like how you adjust um, like sketch comedy for, the pandemic world, a lot of people, like we talk a lot on this podcast about like how people turned to Zoom for standup. And then you were speaking a lot about, about like how people were turning to more like digital form um, for sketch. Do you think that digital form sketch is like here to stay more than it was before? And like, oh, I think it's always been here. I mean, I feel like people have been talking about is digital sketch here to stay like 10 years ago, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it just, I think it's always going to be there. I think what the, um, I think it's like that digital thing changes a lot. So like when when I was writing a while back, a lot of like your views would be if you could share it on Facebook. 
and but uh, if you share it on Facebook, it would get more views. And like, so we, uh, I did a lot of stuff for Funny or Die, mm-hmm. and those would get shared a lot through Facebook. But then Facebook decided that you shouldn't watch videos from external sites with a simple click. You want they wanted you to upload videos to their thing, and I feel like that alone changed a bunch of <laughs> type of things. Because then everything's like, oh, we need to film videos for timelines or whatever. Do you know what I mean? So for Twitter, yeah. that has to be under a minute or TikTok, that has to be under a minute. And then like when TikTok comes around, there's a whole new visual vocabulary, right? Like we all are used to like pointing to the side of the screen and showing information. Do you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> like, and so there are new ways that it'll form, but yeah, I think dig- it, digital is here to stay, but I think it'll look a little bit different depending on like um, what websites people are using, what social media people are using and what like the, the vocabulary of the time is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's super interesting, especially because like coming from a stand up perspective, everything is so like, this is our art form and we stick with it. You know, like there's not a ton of like stand up, like, and uh, even talking to stand up comics, we're like, is Zoom comedy here to stay? Everyone's like, no, I hate Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I I don't think that's, but but like those planet scum things are, I mean, like there there is a Zoom show that seems to have built a cult following that still seems to get like, um, a couple things on Planet Scum is that George Lucas talk show by Connor Ratliff. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that seems to have blown up. Uh, it used to be a live show at the UCB and it seems to have blown up online and it seems to yeah. kind of worked. And I know like Paul Shear has like these shows. There's, there can be something in the Zoom show that gives you a sense of intimacy, I guess, that I think may be like the, like the, the, the budget talk show that I think may be... Uh, Maybe and maybe here to say in some benefit beneficial way, but no. In general, I feel like laughter is better in a room. It feels fun to see if other people are laughing at it. It feels weird to not have like an echo. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, or to feel if a joke doesn't go well. Like all of that, I feel that in person thing is critically important. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, I don't think Zoom will ever replace it, even if some Zoom stylings or digital stylings say the same. Yeah. It's, it really is just so different. Yeah. Um, in that, uh, in the answer you just gave, you mentioned that you did some work with Funny or Die. How was that? Like, what was that like? Oh, this was back, we, uh, this was back when we, we, we first just started with Funny or Die, just uploading videos to it. Uh, and then they would feature us after a while. And it was good. I mean, I feel like that was a fun community. I mean, I think it still, I mean, it still exists. Uh, but it's a, it was a it was a fun way to build an audience and like because sometimes when you post on those video sites and there's another one called Rizzle now, but like it's if some versus like something like YouTube where everyone's looking for different things, it could <coughs> connect you to other comedians and connect you to other people who are interested in watching stuff in a good way. Um, a lot of good stuff on Funnier Die. I don't know. It was nice, it, but it was it was also similar more to me and Marina producing things ourselves and yeah putting it up places. Gotcha. Um, backtracking a little bit, I know that you uh, you said you, you, well, I know that you teach at UCB, you've um, been teaching. What was the point at which you were like, when did you start uh, teaching comedy? And what was the point where you're like, yeah, I, I can do this now. People should listen to me. Um, <laughs> uh, people should listen to me. I don't know, maybe my own narcissism is always like people should listen to me. Uh, <laughs> I've always taught in my adult life, I guess, or like I, uh, I, I've taught in some other second job in some way. So I've taught, I've worked with educational software companies developing curriculum and I've tutored and, and taught small classes. And so I've, I, as I've worked more, I've gotten better at teaching itself or I feel like most of my work has often been in, in some kind of teaching. And then I started, I, uh, there was a teaching art position with the moth that I took 
that really kind of taught me a lot about how to engage with people, how to create foster an artistic enough community, an artistic community where people feel comfortable sharing stories. And it also made me comfortable like, oh, this is the language about how we listen to people and give feedback. And I feel like that was, a, versus other types of education where it's, I mean, being heard is important, but like, how do you convey X, Y, or Z information? I feel like I learned through teaching storytelling and, and working on storytelling with the moth about how to listen to people and make people feel like they've been listened to so that you can then give feedback in a way that like feels constructive versus um, oftentimes I feel like comedy notes or art notes in general can be like, oh, but I like this. Like it's a matter of personal taste. And I feel like learning first to listen to people and then like the given patterns, do you know what I mean? Uh, built, built me up. So I guess I started teaching maybe five, five years ago, storytelling, maybe three years ago with the UCB. Um, and so I guess there was some sort of like, I guess, pedagogy, learning pedagogy, learning how to feel comfortable with people and creating an environment. And then I'd also, uh, I freelance direct a lot and I direct a lot of sketch teams at the UCB or elsewhere, which is a similar skill to teaching uh, comedy in the sense that you're not, it shouldn't be about your own personal preference. You should be listening to what's in the sketch and what's doing it and thinking about how to stage it. And um, after a certain while, yeah, there's just like tricks and toolbox things that are easy to pass along. Uh, and so I, it took a few years. I don't, uh, yeah, I feel like the I feel like people often think there's no fundamentals in comedy. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, either have it or don't, but like, yeah, you can teach fundamentals. <laughs> like there are like, there are things that everyone can learn and everyone can practice. And by doing those things, you get better. Um, that's doesn't necessarily, that's the teaching doesn't necessarily correspond with, um, being a genius comedian. Do you know what I mean? It's conveying some sort of ways about how we should think about it while also encouraging people to write more. Yeah. I think that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So then do you, do you feel like being a teacher helps you in your like comedy writing and performing because you oh, performing certainly. Oh, because when I, especially when I, especially when I started teaching, I was doing these like tutoring classes. Oh, Jesus. I was doing these like kind of like SAT type courses, but they were SAT corpses. Um, I don't know what for general, it wasn't like, um, like uh, a fancy, like rich tutoring thing. It was like one class I took was at the, I taught was at the armory uptown on 168th street, where after these students, for these students to stay on the track team or do track, we also offer, they this like the institution also offered this like test prep course or like this tutoring course. Mm -hmm. No one fucking wanted to be there. Obvi like, obviously, <laughs> do you know what I mean? They've just run miles. It's like 5 p.m. They, you know what I mean? It's a whole fucking school day. And it and like, and so then I'd be like, all right, guys, let's brush up on that geometry. And they just fucking. <laughs> and I really couldn't blame them. But just the idea of like standing in front of a group of kids who do not want to be there in front of you learned, <laughs> made me learn how to like stand there like I should be there. Do you know what I mean? Because uh -huh. more so than any meanest stand-up audience an audience of students is worse <laughs> an audience <laughs> of students is so much worse and even if you're not making jokes it, it, it was about like for me I think what helped me about teaching was just like I'm standing here and I'm telling you a thing and you need to listen <laughs> and just holding that in my body I feel like was the one of the biggest uh helps that teaching taught me it's so true. I was um, teaching up until literally like two weeks ago and then we've uh, shifted. But 
there's so you just have to like change tactics so much because it's like I gotta keep this audience engaged and also yeah. they're often hecklers have nothing on like children they really oh don't oh my god no they don't one time I came to class um with makeup on and they were like what are you doing are you trying to get a boyfriend <laughs> I I How? Why are they so um, mean? I had literally come from a funeral. They just like <laughs> this one class. Honestly, they were my favorites, but they bullied me so much. I'm like, I can, but it gives you the confidence. You're like, you know yeah, what? I, I can, can do it. <laughs> yeah, I had two two of my nightmare stories. Well, I, I often had like uh, students would go like, "Those are your glasses, sir. Those are ugly glasses. <laughs> Don't wear those glasses." <laughs> Uh, but, uh, okay. So one time of the worst was like, I was teaching one of these classes. It was like a bunch of students in, and one guy just stands up and walks out and I'm like, excuse me, young man. Like, where do you, where do you think you're going? And he answers, you know, I'm going to leave because that kid, he's too much of a pussy to leave. And he thinks something's going to happen to him if he does. And then he walked out called that. There is no authority. I have no authority. Authority isn't a made up concept. (laughs) and proved to his friend nothing would happen if you just ignored me and walked out of class and it was <laughs> the most humiliated I've ever been <laughs> like I could never gain status after that oh no <laughs> it was like a metaphysical it was like a very philosophical you know point that he made I think but also dead I was dead <laughs> that kid is brilliant I just wish I weren't on this side of this situation yeah 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 oh my gosh um, is there any advice that you've gotten or you want to give to people uh, that are pursuing comedy or like what's the best advice you've ever gotten? Yeah, I, uh, I, the be- when I think about the best advice I've ever gotten, um, it always feels like um, Carl Weathers character on Arrested Development where the advice is like, if you keep a bone, you can make a soup the next day. <laughs> in the sense that all the things, so like one of my favorite, one of the things that someone told me that kind of inspired me was like, he was an older, he was an artist and I'd worked with him on, a, on some job, but uh, uh, he was like, hey, you can go without healthcare for 10 years. <laughs> like I went without healthcare for 10 years. Don't worry, don't worry. And so a lot of the advice is like, if you want to keep doing this, you have to stick with it and it's it can feel so miserable, but you can do it. Do you know what I mean? Just, just yeah. stick with it. Uh, and so I think that's one thing. I, I would say also just like find my honest advice, I guess, is like find people you like making stuff with and make stuff with those people. Do you know what I mean? Because then you feel proud of your work. You feel good about it. And it's a pleasurable experience um, versus sometimes you can go to an open mic and think everyone here is a miserable fucking bastard. I'm <laughs> like, I hate myself. And that's a, that's a dangerous, that's not a healthy way to go about it. So I would say find people you can make comedy with who you like and find a place to put that comedy up. Um, yeah. And then uh, keep those bones so you can make some stews. It's going to be lean times out there. <laughs> what else, uh, what do you have coming up for you? What else um, are you doing right now? What's up? <laughs> What's up? Okay, so me, me and Marina, we're writing a lot. Um, you can catch all our work on marinaandnico.com. Nico is spelt N-I-C-C-O, marinaandnico.com. Um, you can see we have a bunch of sketches. We have been, uh, we just finished a play that we did at Ars Nova that you can watch digitally. Um, um, and it's called To All My Supporters. 
and it's about um, two, uh, since it was done on Zoom because of this time period, we, we styled it like an urgent work meeting. So it was me and um, uh, Marina were two political consultants on a campaign and we're deciding whether um, our candidate should write an apology speech or a resignation speech based on what he did in, at the town hall. And what he did was he hit his father who was the rival candidate with a chair on the back of his head, like it was <laughs> WWE. And so it's us discussing whether he resigns or not. And so you can catch that at Ars Nova. Um, I think we're generating a lot of stuff now. We spent the summer generating new things. I'm not sure what the next thing is gonna produce, but if you wanna check out something, uh, I'm always trying to push uh, a podcast I wrote uh, called You're In Danger. Uh, You're In Danger, a special news report. Um, it's like the daily, except if the daily's only story was your biggest fear was coming to kill you right now and it's not a metaphor. <laughs> and so I feel like that's a good one. And we, I, well, the way I made that was with 3D audio. So the monster does feel like it is walking around you as you listen to it. Uh, uh, and then, I don't know, I, uh, oh, I have, I have a, a monthly show at QED called Telling Your Problems to Strangers where I do some stand-up and storytelling. I think those are the things I can push out into the world. And other things are often like writing a script and like thinking this is gonna be fucking genius. And then like, <laughs> I never look at that again. So yeah. I don't know what the next next like script I'm committing to or next thing I'm gonna build up to, but uh, those are some things out there in the world. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. Carly, you're speaking. Oh, I was, <laughs> you I was just saying that's great. Is there any other social media or anything you want to uh, promote? Oh, great. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so you can follow at Marina and Nico on all social media and uh, at Nicolo Aid on whatever social media. Nicolo Aid is N-I-C-C-O-L-O. Aid is A-E-E-D. Uh, but uh, Marina and Nico.com. Give it a, give it a, give it a watch. Lots, watch our sketches or videos or whatnot. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, Thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure, guys. It's been oh, so thanks. fun having you here. Thank you for listening to Laughing Your Mask Off. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a good review. To keep up with our hosts, follow Catherine at Catherine.Cowan and Carly at Carly Palestina on Instagram. See you next week. <laughs>